Today on Heavy Networking, we talk about out-of-band management with episode sponsor ZPE Systems. So out-of-band management, or OOB, provides secure remote access to IT infrastructure and uses a separate network to provide that access in case your, your production management plane isn't available. OOB is useful to have when systems go down, be it a, a software problem or a security incident, and it's especially useful if that infrastructure is remote and getting someone on site could take hours. But on today's show, we'll also look at how ZPE Systems is rethinking out-of-band so that you can leverage this network for more than just uh, rebooting servers and configuring switches. The goal here is automated net ops-driven infrastructure management, including things like device staging, deployments, upgrades, and more. And you don't just have to take ZPE's word for it. They've also brought a customer who's using the products to help support a retail business with more than 50 sites, all with a very lean network team. I'm Drew Conry-Murray. I'm joined with co-host Ethan Banks. Our guests are Renee Neumann. He's Director of Solutions Engineering at ZPE Systems and Blake Johnson, Network Architect at Living Spaces, a furniture retailer. Uh, Renee and Blake, welcome to the podcast. And Renee, can you start us off with a quick overview of ZPE Systems? ZPE Systems, we are close to 10 years old. So this summer, we're going to celebrate our 10th uh, anniversary. We are a US company and really our focus is around providing a management infrastructure solution to our customers. And that really means that we are uh, trying to provide an integrated and isolated management infrastructure, which at its core is out of band capabilities, which you mentioned in your intro, as well as additional networking capabilities, WAN capabilities, and everything else so that you can provide as a customer or deploy as a customer, a fully integrated and isolated management infrastructure. At that point, we have run about over 400 existing customers globally. Okay, so basically to you know give us uh, the picture, we're, we're basically talking about you, you've got um, uh, serial devices, I can put them in a data center, I can put them in a remote location, plug my devices in, and uh, I can get access to those devices if and when I need to over this uh, other network. That is correct. So ultimately, at the core, we are providing out-of-band capabilities. That means downstream, we do traditional out-of-band connectivity through console servers uh, or console connections, but as well through IP-based connectivities like REC, PDUs, servers through IPMI, BMC devices, uh, management interfaces on router switches, firewalls, uh, web-based interfaces like you have on uh, Meraki devices. So all of your management interfaces are downstream. They can be directly plugged into one of our devices. And then upstream, we provide the entire networking stack, the entire VAN stack to provide that dedicated out-of-band network, if you want to call it that way. We call it uh, integrated uh, management infrastructure. And the core of what we are trying to do is to provide their secure network uh, specifically for management purposes. We are trying to provide a flexible solution for our customers so that they can start off with, let's say, basic out of band today, and then grow from there to that fully isolated network. And lastly, a, a secure environment, a, a really secure solution. The main reason for that one is we are essentially connected to your core devices, to the to the underbelly of your production environment. Um, so we are have direct access to typically of the most um, um, valuable assets in your infrastructure. Uh -huh. And as such, security is it has to be a core. And that starts for us uh -huh. off at a hardware layer. So we are producing ourselves uh, in the US. We have capabilities of showing that the firmware, for example, and the BIOS wasn't tampered with. And then we layer that on top with, uh, with a really in-depth security stack, which is regularly tested and pen tested and validated by our customers. Renee, I, I built out of band networks in the past. And typically the way that starts uh, is 
I build some kind of switching infrastructure, and then I add things like uh, KVM and other sorts of uh, remote control devices, if you will, and plug in IPMI and switch console uh, and all that kind of thing into those devices, but it's based on some kind of a switch infrastructure that's there that I started with as a separate physical network. Did I hear you right and say, I don't actually need that if I build out it on uh, ZPE, the ZPE includes all my switch interfaces uh, right out of the gate? The short answer is yes. And then the basic concept around out of band, if you really deploy a new site, is typically you have some form of LTE device there, because in most cases, you don't even have broadband yet available. In the location, you might have some form of a, a router which acts as a VPN endpoint or something like it. Then a switch, typically, then the out of band device in form of KVM, in form of CO console device, depending what you need uh, really on site. And, and then in most cases, you have uh, what we find is that customers deploy some form of a jump box as well. It might be a small Linux device from where you then jump onto the end devices to manage them, or it might be a small yeah. Windows system or something like it, right? And what we can offer is we can offer everything in one single appliance. So you can buy a unit from us, we ship it anywhere in the world, and then you can directly deploy that uh, system locally. We have a cloud instance available, which allows you to fully deploy the site remotely. So literally what you need on site is just somebody who's smart enough to unpack the unit, rack and stack, put the right cables in, and you can do the rest from wherever you are. Okay, so ZP is my my all in one then as my foundation for this. I'm gonna. It's just such a different way of thinking about it, Renee. Because I'm used to okay, I build some kind of a network and then I plug in all the bits and pieces I need to make up the out of band network and add to it. I need WAN connectivity. Okay, I'm gonna drop in some kind of device that's gonna give me that WAN connectivity and, and so on. So there's this just a whole. It's a separate network and we're still that model with ZP, but you're just telling me everything I need is in the appliance and I'm gonna hook all the appliances together to build my out of band network. That is correct. The whole purpose here is to really to simplify operations, right? You're reducing the operational requirements for six devices potentially, including cabling and uh, configuration management down to a single appliance. So that hugely simplifies the operational model. Um, flattens a lot of the configuration items down to a single provider, which is us. And we provide the entire LAN connectivity as, uh, as well as the entire out-of-band and local LAN connectivity for that dedicated management. You said your uh, devices are managed via the cloud? We offer both options. We have some customers who like cloud. Uh, so our cloud is a SaaS-based offering, uh, which we call ZP Cloud. But we have plenty of customers who come more from the traditional method and saying, look, we don't Specifically, the management network can't be a SaaS-based offering. We want to run it ourselves. And there we have plenty of options for on-prem deployment. So it might be either in a physical data center in form of an appliance or in form of a virtual machine or something you can deploy in your own VPC on AWS or Google. And the network itself, are we talking about uh, wireless, 5G, uh, wired? How do I get a connection into that, that box? I would say the world is your oyster. Um, we offer everything from standard Ethernet to fiber to Wi-Fi, five and six connectivity over Bluetooth connectivity. Um, on the one side, we have MPLS, dark fiber, VDSL, POTS lines, um, uh, because we were talking about that a little bit earlier. So essentially, <laughs> the entire range of typical uh, WAN and LAN connectivity are, are available. 
Yeah, we were joking earlier before the recording about uh, how there aren't many POTS lines left in Europe and there's still a ton in the U.S. And it sounds like you're maintaining backwards compatibility for the U.S. here. <laughs> yes, we are supporting the old, the old POTS lines as well. We appreciate that. You're welcome. And, and what about my management interfaces? Uh, I assume SSH supported. Are there other ways I can get into the box? On the management side, same thing. We support the whole range of out-of-band capabilities. So um, SSH, Telnet, uh, API support, web interfaces. So we can bring up your entire web interface of a Meraki, for example. Um, we can bring up an entire web interface for an uh, IPMI device, a BMC, your Dell Drex, your HP Eilers, your Cisco CICs. And, and and so on and so forth. So and we have the whole console stuff as well. Um, on top of that, I mean, the one thing which we personally don't really do uh, is traditional KVM, so keyboard, video, mouse. We have a small adapter which you can use if you have one server or something like it. But we still have customers out there with a larger state of traditional KVM uh, devices, or even with traditional out-of-band devices, right? So, and then for those, we actually fully support and integrate with those solutions. So we can uh, integrate with an existing KVM switch, but we can integrate with existing out-of-band solutions, console devices, and so on and so forth uh, from other vendors as well. So another interesting thing about your box, uh, Renee, it, it does all of these things. It's kind of a, you know, a proxy, a gateway into all these different interfaces so that I can remotely manage my network. Uh, but it's also a platform in its own right. So if I want to use it for compute, I can run things on my ZPE boxes. That is correct. For us, out of band is the starting point. And it's the reason why I said in the in the beginning that we want to provide management infrastructure solutions, right? For us, management infrastructure isn't just out of band. It's uh, if you're talking about managing your, your environment, you're typically talking about automation, NetOps, DevOps, but you probably talk about as well running additional agents that can be visibility agents, that can be agents for automation, can be agents for security, like honeypots or anything like it. So from a pure management perspective, you typically need to run multiple solutions, multiple uh, services. Um, probably the most basic one would be some form of DNS, uh, which most customers use. And we allow you to run those on our platform. So that really simplifies in the deployment model because then what most enterprises still do today is that they need to have access to some form of a server, somewhere an ESXi server, which provides, let's say a DNS server, which provides my automation uh, tools or my visibility, my monitoring, my syslogging and all that stuff, right? So you still need somewhere physical appliances. Um, and what we can offer is with our appliances that you can run them as rich machines on top of our um, platform. And are we talking containers, VMs? What, what do you support? We fully support both. We fully support Docker containers as well as uh, full-blown VMs. So depending on the model uh, which you're going to buy, um, they are all Intel-based CPUs. So they all run uh, the same operating system on all of our platforms, make it really simple from an operational perspective. And that means as well that you can deploy any form of Docker container, any form of a virtual machine which you might have. You would just spin up a Linux machine, let's say, or a Windows machine, install your tooling on top of it, and, and you can run that one. The hardware appliances range from a dual core up to an eight core system with up to 64 gigs of uh, 
of memory and then the disk goes up to multiple terabytes depending what, what your needs are so literally we are you can see us as a management server with dedicated out-of-band ports that makes sense uh -huh. and then just an out-of-band box which does a little bit management on the side so we, we, we flip the whole thing a little bit around. We are really providing the entire management stack, the entire management platform. Plus on top, we have all those out-of-band capabilities, uh, which are today pretty much table stakes for most enterprises. So I, I'm kind of imagining a couple of different use cases here when that box is more than just remote access to devices out of band. It is now a platform upon which I can do my management Okay, so that means I've got somewhere that I can run Ansible, let's say, or Terraform. And so for Greenfield, I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, Renee, tell me where I go wrong, but I'm imagining Greenfield, I've got ZPE based in a new data center that I'm standing up, uh, or a new remote office, something like that. As I begin to bring new boxes online, Z, my ZPE box could be the one that sees that new box, it comes online and then gets provisioned uh, to do whatever it is that it's uh, destined to do. Am I think right in thinking it could function like that? That is totally right. So that is actually one of the main use cases. So zero touch provisioning of a new site, anything from an entire data center to a small edge locations, and there can be anything from a branch to a campus to a small street cabinet somewhere. Uh, we're currently working with a couple of um, customers where they, are, where they need to provide a small street cabinet, which is going to be mounted up on a light pole and then provide services to the city for smart city use cases. And quite obviously, due to the fact that the racks are mounted relatively high up on the street, it's hard to get to them, right? You need to have special permits to go to those places, have lift go up there and, and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. really the, the use cases which we're trying to address is where we are bringing as a society or as an as a community, as a uh, as a networking community, where we're bringing more and more active components to more and more remote locations where it's going to be much, much harder for us to find the right combination of not only skills, from a networking side, let's say even generic networking skills, but let's say with specific vendor skills, plus all these additional certifications and skills to go to remote unsecure locations like railway, uh, uh, rail tracks, right? You need to have specific security uh, training to go to uh, onto rail tracks and then maintain the uh, the active components which are on the side of the railway tracks, same with cities um, or light posts, um, let's say energy, same thing, right? So the more you're stacking it in terms of uh, complexity, in terms of certifications, the harder it's get to get the right people on site. And those are great examples as well where we can help. So Blake, this sounds like a good time to bring you in because I'm guessing in a retail environment that that fits right into your use case, lots of different locations, probably far apart that you don't necessarily have staff at that you still need to uh, operate infrastructure and manage infrastructure. Yeah, you guys have already mentioned a few things, a few use cases. Um, Renee mentioned having the IDFs up high. All of our IDFs are going to be at least 50 to 100 feet up. So whenever we have to replace a switch within the stack, the ZPEs are very crucial to stand those up. So a remote worker tech will go up there and install these the new switch. 
and I'll have to remote into the ZPE and do any any configuration or make sure everything is working correctly. Uh, we also use that that same type of deployment when we're building a new site. Our vendor they will stand up our equipment, they'll build everything up, they'll put it on a bench. Uh, we will remote in via the ZPE via console, and we'll do any configurations that we do. We're currently working with ZPE to get the automation going. So you guys also touched on that. Um, the, the plan is to have it um, so we. We plug in one of our routers or one of our switches at, at the config center, and it automatically pushes a script to uh, configure whatever device is downstream in that serial port. Hmm. Um, so definitely in, in retail, it's been very crucial for what we do. Can you talk a little bit more about that? How, how often are you putting in new gear and needing to you know, configure new gear or change configurations? Well, for us, uh, we're constantly growing. Um, I, I started at you know location 12, and we're at 50 now. So mm -hmm. we've been moving across the U.S. This year alone, we've opened five to six sites with a couple more scheduled. We've been using it as far as in the config center, when we put it on site, when, when we actually land it on site, we'll, we'll hang internet off of it, provide internet locally for the users. Uh, so they have some type of connection while we're building the site out until our WAN connections do actually get deployed. Uh, on top of that, one of the main challenges that we originally faced was, was administration. We do have a lane team. Uh, we have a total of three people, one engineer, or I'm the architect, manager. <laughs> I'm also the engineer. Uh, you know, I have a wireless guy uh, below me. So uh, I play multiple roles and I'm sure many people do. So uh -huh. the solution has been crucial. So the previous solution in every single one of our IDFs, we had LTE that would kick off if the switch were to go down or lose connectivity to our MDF or to the uh, the main site there. So what we did is we centralized uh, and home run all of the, the connections um, that were in our IDFs. So any of the ZPEs that are in the IDFs, the previous vendor had LTE. But with the new solution, what we did is uh, we ran fiber back to our MDF switches. It's either connecting either to the ZPE or the switch. So it's centrally managed that way. And we were able to get rid of the LTE and, and basically save about $75,000 a year wow. in data costs just by wow. doing that. So that was a huge, huge win. And uh, on top of that, I was able to get some type of centralized administration with at each site. So the way I, I deployed it, um, you can deploy it and, and you can I have a, a out of band in my data center. And I thought about connecting everything via that. So you, you jump into the data center and all my out of band endpoints can be connected via there. but what I did is I did a, a per site. So you, you jump into a site's main MDF, which I'm, I'm using a ZPE gate. You'll jump into that device. And from there, I can get into any of the other um, out-of-band devices within that local site. Um, and there may be up to 11 to 12, depending on how many IDFs I have, each IDF containing an out-of-band device. Uh, by also centralizing it that way, we added an additional layer uh, when ZPE Cloud came out. Um, when ZPE Cloud came out, now we were able to manage everything through the cloud, uh, doing updates. Uh, you can connect to any of the devices via the cloud. Uh, so true, true centralized management um, at this point. So um, that's how we're currently using it in, in our environment. Were, were there any concerns about going to cloud-based management, given that you know an out-of-band network is pretty sensitive? Truthfully, for us, no. We vetted out ZPE, and we you know we've we've worked with them pretty well. Uh, we haven't had any any security issues with them. So, and our security team has checked them out. So, we we do do we have some some ratings that we that we come up with internally, and uh -huh. they, they did pretty good. So, now not not any of concern to to use the cloud. And we haven't had any issues there. You know, there was an issue originally with 
when you deployed it, there was some security features in the original code that needed to be locked down a little bit better. But uh, in later in- iterations, uh, ZPE did take care of that. Uh, but there, so, you know, security concerns for, for me have been cleared up. It sounds like your security team did some significant due diligence here. Yeah, they won't even let us use a, a company without you know, rating a certain way. So uh, <laughs> wow. I'm looking at a company right now and they, yeah, I got their rating back and I'm like, uh, I can't talk to them anymore. <laughs> <bad."> <laughs> so Blake, a couple of terms I wanted to, to, to clarify here. You've said IDF and MDF. So for, I think most folks listening probably know exactly what that is, but we're talking about main distribution frame and intermediate distribution frame. Main would be the central place that you've got equipment rack that everything comes back to kind of a hub and spoke topology. IDFs, your intermediate distribution frames are outlying on whatever the facility is somewhere in closets, somewhere remote that are feeding uh, a remote part of the building or the warehouse or whatever it is that your facilities are, right? Okay. Correct. So IDFs and MDFs. Okay. And then you said a, a, a gate uh, device. So this is a, a ZPE box that is acting as a gateway specifically, um, oh. which uh, Renee, I don't think you'd mentioned uh, that could, along the way, but it sounds like we have different classes of ZPE devices along the way here. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we have different models, uh, complete full range, uh, starting off from the smallest device, which we call the mini, which is around about the size of a mobile phone, going all the way up to one U rack devices, um, specifically in our service router family, the one U device is fully modular. What Blake is using, I think Blake, in your IDFs, you're using the Link SRs, uh, which are relatively small. They are one port devices with fiber and everything built in. And then in the MDFs, he's using what we call the gate SR, which is not our biggest units in the SR family. It's one step below. It's what I would typically consider the smaller brother of the net SR, which is a modular device. I also have that one. That was the original one I got that you guys sold me on. It was the, okay. the modular based one. So it had, you know, the option to switch out SFPs, SFP plus, uh, to add serial ports, USB ports, all that good stuff. So that that one was, uh, it's in my data center at the moment. So the NetSR is fully flexible. And what makes, and I hope Blake, you maybe you might jump in here as well. But the beauty from an end customer perspective is that we got, independent of the model which you're buying. So you buy the model based on the port density and connectivity you need. But from a management perspective, they all look the same. They have the same web interface. They have the same CLI, the same general capability. So all of that is identical, making it from an operation perspective relatively easy. And it doesn't really matter if you know one of the devices, you typically know pretty much all of them. The operating system is uh, is NodeGrid. Is that is that right, Renee? Yes, uh, we call we have a tendency to call everything NodeGrid. Uh, NodeGrid OS is our operating system, which runs on all of the appliances. Then we have the NodeGrid service router family, which is the device of or family of devices, which is dedicated to branch locations, remote locations, edge uh, the edge use cases, and then we have dedicated traditional console servers, which we use primarily in data center deployments. And then Blake, it sounds like you picked models based on port density and then connectivity type that you'd need to connect between IDF and MDF, let's say. Correct. So depending on site, for example, the gate, that satisfies most of my uh, needs within the MDF. It has eight serial ports. I have two routers, normally two to three switches. Uh, it's, it's one logical, uh, uh, two to three physical, depending on, on the site. Um, and within the, the link, the beauty of that one, uh, I, it actually only has one serial port on it, 
but you're able to add a USB uh, to it and and add additional uh, serial ports based off of that. So I was able to get four extra ports off of the link, even though it, it natively comes with just one physical port on it. Now, another point you made, Blake, was uh, you had you found a cost savings because you were able to re-architect your out-of-band network. Uh, you, I think you said something like 75 grand you were able to save off Verizon costs somehow. Run through that one more time because people that need ROI calculations to be able to justify a spend on new out-of-band might be really yeah. interested in how you pulled that off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we were using... Um, uh, we're using Verizon LTE and they were charging us at 20 or 30 bucks a month. And we have 300 devices. So times that by 12 is going to come to about that figure, give or take. So we basically, by removing the LTE out of each one of the IDFs and moving to what we did is we leveraged our fiber that we already had running. Uh, we had additional strands of fiber running back to the MDF. So the ZPE can use fiber uplinks. So we just popped in an SFP, home ran it back to the MDF, and that that was uh, enable us to be able to get rid of that LTE within that that IDF. So now at each location, instead of having possibly twelve LTE entry points, which is a, a huge security risk to me, we only have one at each site. So that that reduction not only in cost but in min- administration as well. Got it. So you're you're able to share um, now one remote uh, LTE connection for each site rather than having a bunch of different LTE connections per site. Uh, and then you said you run you're running fiber in between IDF and MDF between the ZPE devices. Is that just an Ethernet network? Is that something, or you just plug it in and you know by magic they see each other? Is it something you have to configure and deal with? Now, depending on the site, so um, at most of my sites, we will connect back to my my MDF switch. Uh, and they're going to be on the same network. So we were able to reach them um, that way. Now, if one of my sites, I didn't have enough fiber ports available. So I utilized the ZPE uh, and plugged and plugged everything into my ZPE and uh, just did basically a a trunk port and was able to, uh, essentially it's a trunk port. Um, I don't know if that's what they call it on the ZPE side, but that's essentially what it is. So given that, you know, most networking equipment can be remotely managed today via the cloud, AP switches, routers, security devices, all that, did you feel like out of band was nice to have or a must have? Like, how did you justify it? This is a must have for me. We're we're growing. When I started, we were just in California and in Arizona. Now we're in California, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, and there's more and we keep going. So Mm -hmm. we're, 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 we're marching across the U.S. and the team size hasn't changed and they're not giving me any resources at these locations. So for me to have some type of presence there, uh, their uh, basically workaround is to provide me with whatever tools I need necessary. So this is a, a necessary tool in my environment um, with retail you know, any downtime is a loss of dollars. Mm-hmm. So we it's they want 100 percent uptime. It, it sounds, you know, you wouldn't uh, Furniture store, what do they need that for? But they they really make that much money that um, any downtime really affects them. Our, our, our distribution centers are 24-7. Um, you know, our manufacturing plants are, are almost 24-7. They're, they close like 3 a.m. Uh, so, you know, uh, we're almost a 24-7 operation. And any hiccup uh, really affects the business. So having us online at all times or at least being able to respond um, and and to get things up in a in a timely manner is is essential. Okay, so it sounds like break fix is the primary use case for maintenance. Yeah, during the normal times, but also for bringing these bringing any new site online. 
Um, so any site that's coming online is going to mm-hmm. need to be touched. So I, I use SD-WAN. Um, and when I'm configuring this stuff at my vendor site, some of the internet connections that are there are not going to be what I have at my, uh, at the, at the site that it's going to, uh, ultimately live at. Um, so once it lands at the new site, I have to jump in and do some configuration changes on the SD-WAN side to make sure that the IPs are, are correct, or, you know, something's, something needs to be changed to make sure it comes online correctly. So this is a, a crucial part in the, in the, the configuration in the bring up and in the maintenance uh, it's, it's used in, in all areas of my environment. Okay. But you don't use the ZPE network for like, like as a failover WAN connection for production traffic. It truly is strictly out of band management, that sort of traffic. Oh, we have, we have used it for, uh, for internet as well. So uh, we've oh, had yeah? a site that I was having some issues with the LTE there. It was a different LTE. I think it was Verizon. So we wanted to see if the, the AT&T one that we used within the, the ZPE would work better. So we did hang internet off of that and got that working as well. Uh, plugged it directly into my router uh, and, and had a connectivity for uh, a temporary period. I think we used it for about two weeks until we were able to get everything else up. Huh? It's, it's interesting the trick to have in your back pocket that you can use it in that yeah, way too. Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's it's I'm finding a lot of unique unique ways to use it. Um, it, you can also hang Wi-Fi off it. I haven't used that one yet though. I haven't had a need to use that, but there's an option there to to broadcast Wi-Fi, and you, I could have I guess had people connect that way as well. Hmm. Now, are you using some of the newer, fancier stuff like uh, with Renee, we were chatting earlier that you can use ZPE as a compute platform to run Ansible and stand up boxes and stuff. Are you using any of those features yet? Not in production. We have tested uh, running Rapid7 collector uh, on Mm -hmm. there. So we were able to get that to work. Now, we're just not sure if that's going to be a deployment model going forward. Uh, we're just not sure if we want to buy the the extra storage that it requires to do that. So it's not that it doesn't work or anything. It's just, we're just not sure if we want to make that investment because we already have servers, um, on site. We're just trying to, we're trying to lean up and see if there, you know, if, if we're able to move some of these services over to the ZPE and get rid of our local server, or, um, if that's not even a possibility. So that's kind of where we're at. We just, we're not, we're not done with, with testing that yet. So Renee, is Blake's sort of use case typical or do you see people pushing ZPE systems even further? That is a little bit a loaded question, let's put it that way. So what I see that is that most customers are, as Ethan mentioned, right? The deployment model which we are propagating is a little bit of change of mindset. It's a way about how you deploy your your out-of-band network, your management network, and then potentially how you manage your sites. Most customers are not necessarily there, and it's definitely easier in greenfield deployments than it would be in existing brownfield environments. Mm -hmm. And because of that, what I see is that most customers are starting similar to with traditional uh, out-of-band break-fix use cases. They are typically deployers together with the existing out-of-band um, solutions as well, which we can front-end, and uh, Blake can mention that as well. I, I believe he's still using his existing out-of-band solutions in some of the sites, because let, let's be honest, uh, the console devices, console servers, they're not going to be end of life just because we as a new vendor come in and say, look, you need to replace them. Typically, they have quite a long life cycle, and why not use them for as long as as you can, right? So mm-hmm. we can we can manage those, we can extend the life cycle of those. What we typically do then is we replace the management software which sits on top of it. So if you have if you use an existing out of band solution, 
typically they come with some form of management solution which uh, runs and manages the whole thing. So typically we would replace that one, but not necessarily the hardware. Sure. So that is where most customers start. Traditional out of band, just because it's easier to sell, it's comfortable with. But what they are uh, doing then, and that is really similar to what Blake has experienced as well, is they explore more and more of the feature sets. And they're starting to rethink about how they are deploying new sites, green uh, greenfield sites. And from there, then typically they, they evolve, right? What we really want to be enabling our customers to do is that they can start where they are comfortable with and then evolve from there to a more net ops fully integrated solution without necessarily replacing the entire stack um as mentioned uh, by by Blake for example while they're currently considering if they would deploy rapid 7 on our platform or not one of the hardware requirements is disk space now, what we offer all of our customers is that you can easily retrofit disks if you wanted to. Uh, so if you if you forgot to buy them up front, you can you can buy the storage later. Doesn't necessarily offset the management or the architectural uh, considerations, right? Sometimes it might be better or easier to manage a dedicated server which runs those services in running and on and hours. So it's really an evolution what I see with most customers. Many customers start off with basic out of band, uh, either greenfield deployments or brownfield deployments. And then we have on the other end of the spectrum, we have um, a few customers who go all in the we are the top of rack appliance we fully deploy entire data centers entire pods fully automated and they bootstrap the entire environment out of it but quite obviously that requires an operational team behind it which can plan that out architect it and then this um, automation uh, skills required to get everything orchestrated and and um, and organized right so it's a huge gap between the two worlds, I have to say. Uh, not everybody is on either end. So we are trying to accommodate both sides if you want to. So because of that, it's it, it's a little bit of a loaded question. I see most customers starting off with the basic one and we are more than happy to support those guys, but we are extremely happy as well to support the the nerds and the, <laughs> the, the, the automation, the DevOps guys who want to um, really push our product to, to its limits. Gonna mention on that note, yeah, we to reduce cost, you know, during the initial rollout, we did keep some of our previous out of band uh, devices in the environment. And what we did is remove the LTE, home ran them back to the MDF. We created a connection through the local ZP on site to connect to that uh, other vendor's out of band console. So via via IP. So you have a IP port number uh, that you can create within the ZPE software, uh, and then that that'll be an icon that you can now. Uh, remote into or connect to via your, your CPE device. Well, as we start to wrap this up, uh, we've talked about a couple of you know primary use cases. Anything that you see that you have customers uh, using ZPE systems for that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so there, as mentioned, right. So we have the basic out of band, and then other use cases which uh, customers are using us for is really for those jump boxes to replace the VNC or RDP boxes. Um, 
if if you think about some of the older uh, devices or inter interfaces might still require uh, might still run on windows 7 boxes or windows xp boxes and you need to run read old uh, rdp clients we can abstract that isolate that the client session and just forward it via hml5 uh, to the end users Automation is a huge use case. So automating your end devices. Uh, Blake, you mentioned that a little bit that you're looking at deploying end devices or managing end devices, but that not only leads to the initial configuration, we're talking then here really about patching, upgrades, backups, restores, disaster recoveries, and then really the last big one, which is uh, resonates currently quite a lot with the market is from the security perspective is really that isolated recovery environment where mm -hmm. customers building a small environment which has all the toolkits and in case they're getting hit by ransomware that they have at least one safe enclave which they can use to rebuild mm -hmm. their infrastructure mm -hmm. right so those are use cases and we are open to to everything what the customers are currently trying to throw at us. So uh, those are just some of them. And, and we're really looking at really interesting uh, different use cases as well. And I'll note, I, I had mentioned, I asked Blake earlier, you know, was it a, is out of band nice to have or a must have? Uh, and it sounds like um, there are third parties saying that uh, having a private management network or a separate management network is almost becoming a best practice. Correct. So number one, we see that from our own customers, right? We have over 400 uh, customers globally. Quite obviously, we are going to promote it. But um, in June, for example, the CESA came out with a binding directive in the US. And that clearly spills out that, you, that companies or the, the US government in this case needs to have an isolated management network. If you really think about it, that is a dedicated out of band network. Ideally, you want to combine it with some form of zero trust, um, like a zero trust agent, like a Cloudflare, um, a Z scale, or something like it. And again, that is where the platform play from us comes in. We make it really easy to deploy any of those agents on our boxes. So, we make it easy for customers to implement that um, isolated management network, uh, which the CISA is describing. So I think it's an overall industry trend. It's not just coming from an individual vendor, uh, but I'm more than happy to hear from other companies and other voices to uh, whatever way they, they see the whole thing going. So if people want to get more information about ZP systems, what you're up to is where, where should they go? Where will you send them? So you can uh, probably the best place is directly our own web page is uh, www.zpesystems.com and then slash packet pushers. We have a small landing page specifically for the packet pushers uh, listeners. And there we are having all of the material which we spoke about, a little bit background material. We have a, a case study uh, together with living spaces, which is going to be up there as well. So uh, Pretty much everything what we spoke uh, today about, you will find some form of material there. And Renee, I should mention that, or uh, just remind everybody that you and I and uh, Ned Bellavance, we recorded a show on the Day Two Cloud podcast uh, about what you guys are doing, and we chatted with uh, one of the gentlemen from with with Frank from Vapor.io about how they're deploying it. So if you want to hear more customer stories there, that was Day Two Cloud episode one eighty eight. And Renee, yet one more thing, as I was digging around doing research for this show. You guys publish all your documentation and it's ungated. You don't have to register to go read it or anything. It's just there. Um, so people that like to poke around at uh, documentation ahead of time to kind of understand what a product does, it looks like you guys just have that out there available as a resource for the engineering community. 
that is correct. We, uh, if you recently transitioned over to a new uh, to a new system, uh, you can now find all of our documentation in a single place. Uh, it's docs.cpsystems.com. There's more work which we want to do. We want to improve the documentation. I, I don't think documentation is ever complete, ever done. There's always room to to improve on it. Um, but yeah, so it's um, you can find all the documentation, all the use cases, getting started guides, the user guides, everything in one single place. All right, we'll have all of those links in the show notes that accompany this podcast. Uh, thank you, Renee, and thanks, Blake, for joining us. Uh, and thanks to you for being a listener. If you want even more nerdy conversations on networking, on wireless, on cloud, Kubernetes, even more, we've got a huge library of technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, and if you would, rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking in band or out would never be enough.